Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Okay, well, we're hitting the golden hour, which means the sun is low and burning my retinas. And I don't want to put on my sunglasses, although it looks cool. It'd just be rude. So we're going to have to just be okay with some annoyances here, long shadows on my face and squinty eyes for a moment. I wanted to just take some time to talk to you about your story. Your story really matters. Every aspect of your story has shaped you. Probably the most important parts of that shaping has been the relationships that you've had. Your story matters. David is really clear in this reading out of Psalm 27. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. So before we get too far down the road here, let me say that intertwined in the conversation about story is going to be a conversation about hope. Hope of transformation. Hope of discovering what your heart has been longing for this whole time. Hope that is found in the person of Jesus. And that's why we fix our eyes on him, the author of our story and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who brings new confidences in us, even in the midst of our wrestling with him. If you think about your story, it's full of place, settings. It's full of events, occurrences, plots, plot twists. But most importantly, it's full of people. And that doesn't necessarily bring comfort to some of us if when we think about our story, the people in our lives weren't always the most attuned. They weren't always the most helpful. They weren't responsive to us. Sometimes they were the opposite. Sometimes they were just abusive or neglectful or they abandoned us. And so I want to just tread into the sacredness of your story and to the concepts of story, honoring the fact that many of us and many of you have had very difficult life stories. And while I want to honor that, I also want to acknowledge that the story's not over and that there's hope. And so I want to bring to us just the ideas that your life story While it involves a lot of events, the most powerful aspect of your story are the relationships in your story. If you think about your story, I want to just go kind of into this zone right here for a second. The the sidebar of story isn't just the recalling of memories related to the events and the people in your life. 
your story is actually comprised of and is it's really found in the recall of your memory in the place of your brain your brain is comprised of billions of neurons each neuron is connected to thousands of other neurons and those neurons create pathways of memory all of those memories were formed through experience and I would say that experience is what has shaped you yeah maybe even more than genetics you know we can we can argue about nurture versus nature we can talk around that a bit and I think that's fine I think genetics is absolutely crucial in like the development of who you are as a person and I believe that that is coupled with your experiences and I would say that your experiences have probably done more to shape you than you realize not only the experiences that you remember but even those implicit experiences of growing up in a household where maybe you had a mom and a dad as your primary caregivers and maybe they were very attuned and you grew into a really secure attachment or perhaps like most of us not maybe you had um, real difficult time attaching to your primary caregiver maybe because your primary caregiver had their own needs their own emotional uh, challenges that precluded them from being attentive to you and so without going too far down that road I just want to say that the place of story is also in the place of your mind your brain and this is why telling story is so important because when you verbalize your story there's an integration of right brain and left brain prefrontal and the the limbic region of your brain those places are being interconnected and there's actually new pathways being formed even in the telling of your story that can bring healing and some solace to the places that maybe have been very disintegrated if, if I could say that so we'll get into that here in just a little bit one of the things that I wanted to talk about here is this phrase that Paul or uh, excuse me that David says when he says I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm here in the land of the living wait patiently for the Lord the word wait and hope are often used in the Hebrew language as one and the same but they're not necessarily one and the same hope involves waiting but it also involves an anticipation of a resolve or a, an anticipation of a fulfillment. So the waiting piece, the hope dynamic in that is that we have unfulfilled longing. So this is the part of hope that's really challenging for us because that unfulfilled longing is actually the place of the wrestle, <laughs> the wrestling match with God. I mean, here it is. I mean, David starts this out with saying, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I am coming. So in the interactive relationship of God and you, you bring your desires to God. And the reason why you're hoping 
is because that desire has not yet been fulfilled. And God is the one ultimately responsible for fulfilling that desire or not. And so, isn't it interesting that David is allowing us to see the wrestling match? He's allowing us to see the both and of his relationship with God. Where he would say, even if my father and my mother abandon me, I know that you'll be close to me, God. Like, there's this beautiful anticipation and that's the the power of like hope in this space. However, previous to saying that, he's making these pleas with God. You can hear the ache in his heart, the yearning in his heart when he says things like, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject me. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. How is it that David... In the same verse or two, have these paralleling dynamics that feel paradoxical. Like, God, the reason why I'm able to write these pleas of my heart is because there have been times in my life when I have felt like you have abandoned me. But I know you won't abandon me. It's okay to wrestle. I would say that um, this is the mark of really sound theology when it comes to the gospel of Jesus. Because on one hand, we have unfulfilled desires. We have things in our life that we wish God would change. Maybe you have been praying to God to bring healing to your physical body for years, and it's not happened. Maybe you have been praying to God to help nurture a relationship with your spouse or your significant people in your life that their hearts would be turned towards you that you would experience deepening intimacy and it's not happened yet there's the wrestle there's the the longing that's not been met here's where we struggle as believers when that has been deferred long enough and we have not waited patiently on the lord what we begin to do is actually lessen our expectations. You'll hear this in our language. We put nice language around it as Christians. We'll say something like, this is the longing that I have, but the Lord's will be done. Or we'll pray, God, I want you to help so-and-so or help my physical body or whatever the plea is, but your will be done. When we tag that on to the end of it, basically what we're saying is, I really don't have a lot of expectation, God. Can we be honest with that? And some of you might argue, well, we are supposed to like follow the will of God. Absolutely, we're supposed to surrender to God's will. However, surrender usually happens after a long, drawn-out battle. <laughs> It's not something that a good general yields to on the front end of the battle. So it's okay for us to go through a 12-round wrestling match with God that might take years. And then when we get to the place of saying, I surrender to your will, it's not because we're just exhausted. 
It's because we have persisted in a way that we are confident that God has heard our plea. And I mean, it's like, what's the parable in Luke 18? The woman who had been unjustly treated was going to the judge over and over and over again. She was not taking no for an answer. And finally, the judge was like, fine, I will bring justice to your case. She didn't take no for an answer. She wrestled with even the judge. You know, it really is true. And that's what Jesus says. You know, it's like, be persistent. Bring it. It's okay. So this is the part of hope where if we're not careful, we'll say, look, um, just your will be done. Don't lower your expectations of God by saying that. The other thing that we tend to tag on to our longing sometimes is, well, when, when, when I go to heaven, my longings will be fulfilled. Yes, absolutely. When you go to heaven, every single longing of your heart will be fulfilled. But what does David say here in Psalm 27? My confidence is in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm here in the land of the living. Um, so if we just say I'm going to put my hope in life after death, we have very clearly we have reduced our expectations of God. We have reduced our, we have numbed out our longing. Our desires have been flatlined and we no longer feel like we have the energy or the wherewithal to express our desires because we have not waited patiently. We have essentially lost hope in God. And I would just say that, um, Yes, of course, there are desires that you have that will not be fulfilled this side of heaven. There are desires in my heart that I probably will not experience the fulfillment of on this side of heaven, at least not the way that I anticipate or want them to be fulfilled. Here's the challenge. While that may be true, I do not know which desires the Lord will fulfill. And which ones he won't. So if I reduce my expectations of God and if I numb down my desire to the point where I'm just going to wait until after I die in order to experience fulfillment, or shall I rephrase that, until I experience the goodness of God? Do you see how that has a subtle but very profound incredibly profound effect on my anticipation of the goodness of God. Here's the one thing about um, Christians that we have that no one else has. We have the resurrection. It's only in the resurrection that can the unfulfilled longings of the heart, only in the resurrection can the trauma of our stories the abandonment of our stories, the neglect of our stories, the effects of the sins of others and how it impacted our lives. Only in that place of desolation is resurrection life entering into to bring consolation or life. You see, if we're eternal optimists, we will only hold the possibility of awesomeness and we will never come to terms with the actual struggle 
But it's a both and proposition here, friends. Because when we allow ourselves to enter into the wrestling match and the struggle, it's in that space that the resurrection life of Jesus has the opportunity to bring the fulfillment of our deep desires. So yes, we have hope. And we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And the hope that we have in him is a hope that is rooted in a confidence that he is near to us. And that even if the people in our lives have abandoned us, the Lord will be near to us. And even in our wrestling match, if we're not fully convinced of that yet, and we're in round 10 of a 12-round match with God, I would just encourage you to be courageous and wait on the Lord. Put your hope in Him and let His life, the resurrection life, bring the fulfillment of your deep desires. Now, before I close, I want to circle back around the story. Sorry about that. Got some mosquitoes coming out. It's going to be good fishing here in a minute. Um, here's the deal about the story. We had a celebration last night. It was Tiffany's father's 80th birthday. And I drew so much encouragement from him, not only last night, but over the last 40 years that I've known him. Here's the thing about his life. He did not have a father. He was raised by a single mom with his brother and his sister. And the Lord captivated his heart. And the Lord continues to captivate his heart. And Tom has submitted himself to the reality that God is a father who will not abandon him. And that made all the difference in the world. And so we have hope in God that not only does he take the, the challenging parts of our story and redeem them, uh, but he actually comes in as the fulfillment of our desire. He responds to us even in the places of our life that are the most challenging. And doesn't that bring us more life than just getting our wants met? Knowing that God is responsive, near, drawing close, interacting, speaking. Can you hear? I mean, just as David wrote, my heart has heard you say. Can you allow your heart to hear God say, come and talk with me? And can your res response be, Lord, I am coming. So Tom is an amazing man. And we had such a good time honoring him with our children and his, you know, great-grandson and his sister and his friends. And here's the thing about it. He's such a great example of the fact that when you fix your eyes on Jesus, Jesus will transform your story. And not only will he transform your story, but he will transform even those neural pathways <laughs> Because he's going to give you new experiences with him. The experiences that Tom has with God have transformed him because the experiences that he had from his family of origin 
and their dysfunction and brokenness had set him on a trajectory that was going to bring him into desolation. And the Lord intervened in his life and became the father that Tom never had and took that desolation and transformed it into a consolation where the light has shone onto his life in a way that he is radiant. He's glorious. He's such an amazing guy. And it's because Jesus is the author of his life. And yes, there was a wrestling match, I can promise you. And it got to the point, the surrender that Tom like entered into was a surrender into the goodness of the Lord, a surrender into the fathering grace of God to transform his life. It's just amazing. Now, one final thought here before I close it out. It's not enough that you recall your story. Yes, do. Write it down. Think about it. What's even more helpful is to share your story. I talked about the neural pathways and parts of your brain. You have to know that when you verbalize your story, it connects right brain, left brain. It connects prefrontal with the limbic system. All of that stuff is happening as you are recounting your story to another. So not only am I encouraging you to recount story to one another, I'm encouraging you as a listener, as an anointed Holy Spirit-led listener to become inquisitive of other people's stories. Perhaps your role in their transformation, perhaps your role in their journey of healing and wholeness, perhaps your role is to be that listening ear that provides a safe place for other people to tell their stories to you. If you'll recall, over the last 18 months, most of the prompts that I have been sharing with you in the Aspen Grove has been less about what you know and more about who you are related to your story. Tell a story about when God did this or tell a story of this, that, or the other thing. You have to know that's been intentional. And I trust that as a community of faith and as friends, you've been a safe place to share story and to share your life with each other. And then to watch your life impacted by each other because the relationships that you have in your life and in your story have much more profound effect on you than we even realize. And so friends, I just wanted to bring this encouragement to you. Your story matters. You can find hope in your story, even in the wrestling match with God. Your desires matter. Do not numb them out. Let the hope arise. And let yourself grow more and more confident that you will see the fulfillment of longings, the goodness of God, even on this side of heaven. Oh, and by the way, it's heavenly out here. Put yourself in the way of beauty, friends. God bless you. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.